You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition and their new Centerfire Rifle Ammunition Terminal Ascent. Now, the Terminal Ascent has a slipstream polymer tip that helps flatten trajectories and initiates low-velocity expansion at longer ranges. The Terminal Ascent gives you match-grade long-range accuracy in a bonded hunting bullet and it comes in a variety of cartridges including the 6.5 Creedmoor, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 28 Nosler, the 7mm Remington Mag 30-06 and the 300 Win Mag. If you want to find more information about the Terminal Ascent, visit federalpremium.com and while you're there, check out It's Federal Season, the official podcast of Federal Ammunition. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, and today we have one hell of an episode. Now, today's guest is Dylan Busher, and Dylan just got a new property earlier this year and this episode is about me and him breaking down this new property to chase one specific buck he put some trail cameras out on this farm he got some pictures of this buck and he's starting to get consistent pictures of this buck on a regular basis. So here's the deal. We are breaking down this buck's patterns, his current patterns. We're breaking down the terrain of the farm. We're breaking down the access routes. We're breaking down what wind he needs to get into the uh, into this farm, different uh, ambush points, what time of year he plans to go in, how he plans to do it. This is a, This is probably one of the the most comprehensive breakdowns we've ever done on a nine finger chronicles episode for one specific deer and hopefully he follows through with everything that we we talk about and gets the job done on this buck but it's a really cool episode because typically we we kind of talk in generalities and we we do get into specifics but not one specific deer, one specific farm, one specific bow hunter. And that's what this this uh, episode is about today. So I had a lot of fun doing this because when you can go in and have a conversation with someone about the specifics, instead of being having a general conversation, you can actually talk specifics. Not only do, do I think that helps everybody understand what this deer is doing and how we plan to attack or how he plans to uh, uh, attack this deer, but uh, it's just better overall to get the details of uh, uh, of the entire, I guess, break it down, you know, the entire breakdown. So that's what we're doing today. Before we get into today's episode, we got to do a little house cleaning. I just want to make sure that everybody is subscribing to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, whether you're doing it on the standalone feed, just the Nine Finger Chronicles, or you're listening to this on the Sportsman's Nation. Please subscribe. Please follow on Facebook and Instagram, Nine Finger Chronicles and the Sportsman's Nation. And the commercial today, we got to talk about the average conservationist. Now, here is the cool thing about the average conservationist. These guys have some badass hats, sweatshirts, 
teas, just a ton of it's a, it's a it's a lifestyle brand. Uh, one of my favorite pieces is their leather patch hat with the broad head on it. I think it's called the fixed hat. Uh, I love the camp crew neck sweaters. The logos on um, on these shirts are badass. The shirts are actually the comfortable kind, not the stiff uh, t-shirts that uh, that a lot of us get but they're the soft kind they're really comfortable they hang on the body well and so not only is the the logos the brand the fit the clothing all badass but they give 10% of their their revenue to conservation organizations so Marcus Ewing the owner of the company he made the decision up front I am going to create a brand and I am going to give 10% of my revenue to conservation efforts. A lot of companies don't do that. Marcus and the average conservationists do. Not only that, but they, um, uh, Marcus is the host of the Average Conservationist podcast, which has a connection with 2% for conservation, which the Sportsman's Nation is a 2% for conservation uh, certified company. So it all kind of ties in together. Not only is the Average Conservationist a badass podcast, but they make some badass apparel as well. So be sure to go check out theaverageconservationist.com. That's the commercial. That's the intro. Let's get rocking and rolling on today's episode with Dylan Busher about basically breaking down the hunt. In three, two, one. On the phone with me today, Mr. Dylan Busher. Dylan, what's up, man? Not much. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, my trail cameras are starting to show a little bit more movement, a little bit more movement. There was a time there in late August where I started to get a little worried about how my season was going to go just because the straight-up lack of deer and mature bucks on the farms that I hunt, no trail camera pictures. I had one mature buck, but other than that, recently, as when I say recently, I, I mean this week when all this rain's coming through, and I'm sure you guys got uh, are getting some of the same stuff that we're getting here in Iowa, but these deer are starting to move, and I've had a couple decent deer show up on trail camera, and uh, I'm excited what the next month is going to look like as far as through cell cams and through my trail cameras about what deer are, are going to be moving into the properties you know so that when the the rut hits i i have something to hunt but trail cameras is one of the reasons why you are on the podcast today because you sent me some trail camera pictures of a big buck and we started kind of bsing about how you plan to kill him and yeah. I, I want to talk that out with you today. Uh, but before we get into that, why don't you let everybody know where you're from and what do you do for a living? Um, well, uh, I'm from Southern Illinois. Um, I'm attending college right now, so I don't have really a full-time job. But, uh, you know, I work for a forestry business, um, Actually, a neighbor down the road from me, they have their own food plot, forestry, um, property management business. So uh, that's what I do when I have time. I work for them. Um, I am kind of starting my own um, on the side weekend stuff, uh, food plot business. So, uh, you know, that's that's what I do right now if I'm not doing uh, homework and stuff. Yeah. But uh, what do you do? I mean, uh, what are you going to school for? Um, I'm going to minor in business and then hopefully major in forestry. Okay. So you're looking to turn the, the, the love of the land, so to speak. I'm, I'm ripping that off of the guys from land and legacy, but your love of the land for in, into a job per se. Yep. Okay. That's, uh, that's the goal anyways. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Uh, follow your dreams now. Cause I'll tell you, I sat in a cubicle for eight years, wasting my life <laughs> working for somebody <laughs> else. And, uh, any, any time I can tell somebody to go do your own thing, man, work hard, do your own thing. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Um, you know, like, like you said, love of the land. I was raised, I 
you know, my dad, um, I gotta give him a lot of credit to it. You know, he's taken me hunting, been in the woods since I, as soon as I, as much as I can remember, you know, I was six or seven and, you know, I've been fortunate to watch him shoot a lot of big deer and be able to spend my time with him out there. So I'd, uh, I'd have to blame him for, uh, for this, but you know, that's, that's the goal. You know, if I can, if I can start a career, my own business and, you know, helping other people shoot big deer. Cause I mean, who doesn't want to shoot giant white tails? Right. Right. And on top of that, not only do you probably want to kill, but it sounds like you have an excitement for others to shoot big deer as well. Oh yeah. I, I said, um, when we were talking earlier, you know, I got a buddy, um, he's hunting probably one of the biggest deer I've ever seen on hoof, uh, this year. So, you know, it's, it's nice having, uh, a couple of buddies that support you, um, make the season easier, the ups and downs a lot, um, easier to go through. So, you know, that's another thing I've been pretty, pretty blessed having some really good friends, uh, to support me and that. And when you have a good support group, I think it's a lot easier to, support others and you know help other people benefit off stuff you've learned too that's a fact man that is a fact uh you give and you shall receive if that makes sense absolutely all right so why are you on this podcast today because you sent me some pictures and i'm not necessarily 100 percent sure about the story behind these pictures but you sent me a handful of pictures of how many how many different deer is it is it one big deer or do you have two big deer that you're um, looking forward on, to chasing on on the farm we're talking about today um there's two i would say good really big deer okay um so you know there's a, there's a couple others i got cameras on that property um that would be really really hard to pass up but there's two that um as soon as I got these pictures, it was like blood pumping, you know? Right, right. So, all right. So, um, talk to, uh, talk to us a little bit about this farm because in your message you sent to me, it sounds like this was a straight up knock and ask for permission scenario. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much, I mean, um, I watched seek one and then guys on YouTube quite a bit and, you know, they're always talking about knocking on doors. So the last couple of years, I've started doing that more. Um, we actually have 160 acres that um, we can hunt under our um, name. But ever ever since I started watching them, they kind of just like that urge to go knock on somebody's door and have a different place to hunt. It just slowly kept building. Yeah. And uh, so I knew about this property for oh, several years. And uh, actually last summer, um, a buddy and I went out and videoed um, and and built it, uh, this exact deer that we're talking about. So there's a little bit of history with this deer, um, not nothing crazy, you know, five, six, seven years, but I do um, have a little bit of backstory with him. Okay. But, uh, so was this just uh, you driving around? out in the country looking for deer one night you spotted him and then you went and asked for permission to get on the property uh pretty yeah pretty much um you know i one evening after work it was cool and uh just made a pretty much a mile block um a lot of bean fields and stuff and there have been in the years past several good deer come out of the timber into the bean fields so you know i was just going to go make the block 30 minutes before dark with the binos and see if anything was out. And, uh, I, we saw him and that was like two or three days later, I went up and knocked on the door and he said, go for it. So, yeah. All right. So that was even a whole year after you videoed this buck the first time. Yeah, I actually, um, I didn't last year when I saw, him, I didn't, um, you know, I didn't go up there and uh, knock on the door. I wasn't sure if I'd get the farm because I knew somebody gun hunted it. But um, 
you know, like I said, we went out that one night and I saw him again and, uh, the guy uh, gave me permission to video deer and velvet in summer back there on, on his bean fields. There's a, it's a 120 acre farm. Okay. And, uh, you know, so this year I saw him again and it was kind of the same thing this year, you know, a couple of days later I went up and, uh, knocked on the door, talked to him for a little bit, super nice, uh, older guy and asked permission if I could bow hunt it. And he said, he'd go for it. You know, he all, all for it and super nice about it. And he said, if I need any help with anything, I'm welcome to the shed and all that stuff, any of the equipment in there. And, uh, you know, it was, it turned out, turned out to be pretty good so far. Well, that's awesome. Now, last year, talk to us about the transformation that this buck made from last year to this year. What was he last year and what is he this year? Um, well, last year I have to put inches on it. I'm not sure exactly. I've never been within probably a hundred yards of the deer, but, um, last year on his right side, he had a huge brow tine, probably I'd say 10, 12 inch brow tine. Wow. So it was, a it was a unique, uh, um, ant- or I guess his one side was pretty unique. So it was easier to tell him, uh, out from other bucks and he just has a real like massive frame on him a big uh 10 point frame last year not really much trash just a clean clean 10 he has a, just a little kicker off his uh two on his right side and then just a huge probably 10 12 inch brow tie on his right side okay so he he just got bigger and added a little trash sounds like yep from, yeah from this year, year he Yep, this year he added uh, kickers on both twos, and then his, both brow tines are about the same height. And they both, I think, I have to look at the pictures close. Um, again, um, I'm pretty sure both brow tines are split now, and they're I'd say they're probably eight to ten inches. Dang. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you got a real winner on your hands there. What's the uh... – <laughs> if you were to give him a score right now with the, just based off the trail camera pictures. And the only reason I do this is so people can visualize what, what we're talking about here. What's this deer you think score? Does he hit 170? I, I, that's a, um, you know, we got 170 inch on the wall. Um, but I'd say I'm going to guess low one seventies. Uh, I'll be surprised if he goes over 175, but, um, he very well could. His left side is um, pretty, pretty massive. Um, got good uh, height, but uh, I, I would say if I had to put a number on, I'd guess like one seventy two, one seventy three would be my guess. Okay, that's a pretty accurate guess there. Um, all right, so you know this deer is on the property. You get permission to, you know, film. You film him. You get permission to hunt it. Now, what was the first thing that you did on that farm when you got the permission to hunt? Flooded it with cell cameras and as many cameras as I could put on it. Yeah. Um, All cell cameras? I I have three on it right now. Um, I do have two other cell cameras on another farm that I can hunt. But, um, yeah, pretty much I got two or three cell cameras on it right now running – and three or four um, stealth cams. So, okay. so just sitting on your couch at night or wherever in your truck or wherever you're at, uh, is he around? I mean, are you getting cell camera pictures of this deer right now today? Or what? yeah, last 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 night at seven thirty, I got a picture of him. Okay, so he's on the farm right now. Yep. Okay. All yeah. right. So. Um, how off, I mean, knowing that, is that going to keep you out of there to check your other trail cameras? Yeah. I mean, I've been trying to play it as smart as I can. You know, it's hard to, um, you know, there's 170 inch deer on the property. You got five, six cameras running on it. You just want to go pull them and see, you know, what else is on there. or If he's going by them cameras too, but, um, 
that's what dad's been pushing me to, you know, stay out of it, stay smart with it. You don't want to, you don't want to kick him off now before a season even starts. So that's fact. I've been really relying on the cell cameras um, and they've been providing. So, uh, you know, um, last week, I believe I went in there, put all new uh, batteries and all the cameras, um, switch memory cards out, pulled them. So uh, my plan here in Illinois season starts October 1st. So I was going to let them sit, you know, for about a month right before open season and, uh, you know, just keep as much pressure, low pressure in there as I can. Okay. And let him, you know, just feel as comfortable as he can. No point getting in there now if I know he's on the property. So. Right. Okay. So let's, uh, let's talk about what, where he lives, break this farm down for us as far as the ag timber mix. Like, are we talking deep draws? Are we talking valleys? Is it fairly flat? Uh, what's the neighborhood look like as far as the neighboring farms? Um, so this farm, uh, it's 115 acres and I'd say it's split up, split up pretty evenly between ag and timber. Um, I'd say there's probably roughly 60 acres of beans on it right now. And um, I'd say probably 40 acres of uh, timber and then probably 15 acres of um, switchgrass that they have in a program. Okay. Is this switchgrass all around the, the field or is it in like a back corner somewhere? Um, the switchgrass is actually down... So this farm is pretty much split up half and half, but there's a big uh, draw that runs right through the middle of it, a creek bed. So it's split up half and half. This creek splits it up. And uh, the north side of that creek is mostly all ag. And uh, there's a couple of fingers and stuff, acorn flats that come up out of that creek bed. And um, that whole creek bed down there, uh, it's pretty much all that CRP, that program. Okay. And right. so like the south side of that creek, there's a 20-acre bean field, and uh, it's all – that's pretty much what the south side makes up as a bean field and um, a pretty good-sized acorn flat. Okay. And then the creek runs through that, and then the north side is the rest of the property. Yep. Okay. All right. Yeah. So where – on this property well let me back up how does you, that property f- play into the fold of the rest of the properties around it i mean does it does this property hold the is it the timber or is it everything else ag uh is everything else timber and the only ag is on yours what's the rest of the neighborhood look like um to the south of it is uh there's oh, excuse me to the south there's a uh, house and like a four or 500 acre farm. Um, and they got a lot of cow pasture, but pretty much, uh, the reason I really wanted to get this property is that huge creek bed. Um, I'm super excited to hunt it during the rucks. I think it's going to be an insane travel corridor for deer traveling back and forth. But, um, so to the South of it is a big cow pasture and a farm. But to the west, it's all open river bottoms. Or not open, but um, program, uh, tree program river bottoms. Okay. So, um, you know, really I have on this farm the only major ag fields uh, around. Um, But the farm to the east of it has probably a 25, 30-acre cornfield right now. Okay. And uh, that that farm to the east uh it's a i think it's 80 acres i'm not sure exactly i'd have to look at onyx but um i think it's 80 acres and there's only probably 15 20 acres of timber and that timber is in that back draw um this creek bed that i'm talking about that should be a pretty sweet travel corridor okay uh let me ask you this what's the timber like on this farm? Uh, is it thick and nasty? Is it wide open combination of both? You mentioned an acorn flat. Yeah. Um, it's a really a combination of both. Um, I shed hunted it this spring and, uh, 
didn't really find a whole lot of sheds. I didn't shed hunt it really hard. But um, the one on the south side of the creek, they um, that those woods got harvested uh, several years ago. So it, there's a lot of treetops and stuff in there, and it's it's pretty grown up and thick. But that's um, about half of it is thick, and the other half is a big open acorn flat. So. Um, I'm thinking early season might be good in there. I haven't gone back up in there because I know um, that deer do bed in there pretty good. So I've kind of stayed out of that. But um, that south side, it's a mixture of acorn flat and, uh, you know, the tree harvest. So it's pretty thick in there. Gotcha. But the north side of it, it's um, just like open draws, uh, open hardwood that lead up to the field. Um it's not, I wouldn't say it's super thick. There's some briar patches and stuff in there, but uh, nothing, you know, that you or I couldn't walk through. Right. Uh, is the farm holding deer right now? I mean, obviously your buck, the buck that we're talking about is on the farm, but is there doe bet? I mean, is there a, a doe group that runs with it? Several other bucks? What's the story as far as the, the actual deer on the farm? Yeah, right now it is. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's going to change here in the next couple of weeks after they start moving to their fall, um, pattern, but, um, right now it is, like I said, um, I got cell cameras out there right now and I actually got another picture this morning about five o'clock of probably a 150 coming out of the bed that, that big one's living in right now too. So there are, um, several other deer, um, I've been getting more pictures of does the last week and a half on this property. Um, but before, you know, when I pulled those cameras the other day, it was probably 75% bucks and 25% does. Okay. So right so, now uh, the bachelor group is on the farm. Um, I, yeah, for the most part, um, I, I've never, I've never actually seen the buck. I got pictures of, um, this morning, He's new, but there are still, um, this property is super easy to watch over, super easy access. I can actually sit, um, in the landowner's backyard on the back of the truck and see the whole north side of the farm and the beans. And so, and so I can go out there really every night without disturbing the farm at all and sit over and watch the whole north side of the farm. Okay. All right. So, uh. So that, that, that go ahead. So are there any other bow hunters on this property? Not on the property that I'm hunting. No. Okay. This farm. But you mentioned before we started recording that there is a neighbor and he is aware of that buck. Yep. Okay. So yeah, there is, how did that conversation, because I'll be honest, there are times where I don't, I don't communicate with the people who are neighbors on some of the farms that I hunt. And then there's other times where I do communicate with them. Um, what's the communication like between you and the guy on the neighboring farm who knows about this buck? Um, well, late, lately, actually, he actually just texted me the other day, um, asking about him. And, but before that, you know, we never really talked a whole lot. Um, he's a, a good buddy. I, I know him pretty well. Um, he lives down the road from me, but, um, you know, it's one of the things, like I said, I'd be happy for him to kill it. I'd be happy, you know, stoked if I got to kill him, but, uh, you know, super nice guy. And he texts me um, Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. And, it was one of them, you know, Hey, you know, about the, um, big buck that's been moving through. And at that point, when he brought it up already, you knew chances are him and I are thinking about the exact same deer as soon as that text went through. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it was just one of the things he sent me a couple pictures of him, um, during daylight, um, that I don't have. And, uh, I just, you know, it's, it's cool, and it's at the same part a little worrisome <laughs> that he's getting daylight pictures of him. Yeah. But uh, um, he said he hasn't had a whole lot of pictures of him uh, the last month, so that makes me feel a little bit better, you know, a little more confident that he is living majority of the time on my farm. 
But, you know, it was just – he sent me a couple of daylight pictures of them that he's had, and I sent a couple of pictures um, in the bean field of them that uh, I got of him. And, I mean, he's a big enough deer and he's got enough character on him. It's uh, – no question it's the exact same deer at all. But uh, – Yeah. So, I mean, is he on daylight on your trail cameras at all? Um, I, pretty much, I wouldn't say daylight, like early or late morning stuff, but he has every picture I have of him is during shooting hours, okay. about the last 30 minutes of light. Okay. So, he's on your farm in the evenings. Yes. That's when you're getting most of the pictures of him. Okay. All right. Yep. All right. So, Giving what we know about deer movement and how there's a chance that right now he may be showing some daylight. Uh, temperatures are a little bit cooler this time of year than normal, right? We got, I don't know, is it cool, cooler than normal down there right now for you guys too? Um, I wouldn't say it's cooler than normal. It's starting to. Um, the forecast for this coming week, it's going to start dropping off probably 10 degrees. But um, really here the last month, it's been super, super dry and pretty warm and humid for the most part. Yeah. Okay. So knowing what we know about how deer move, and the, the reason I asked that question is for me, so mid-September, there may even mid to early September, they may still be doing some, some wonky uh, daylight activity. But something happens. In mid-September through early October, where the big mature bucks, and this is just my experience, they shut off and they go nocturnal, right? Whether it's hunting pressure, whether it's uh, food source changing, whether it's, it could be one of several things. Knowing what you know, how are you going to plan to hunt this buck on, on that farm with the intel that you have right now? Oh, um, like I said earlier, um, right now I'm just going to try to stay as on the safe side as I can since I know there's going to be hunting pressure around. Um, the beans and on the farm are, they're going to be a little bit still, they're pretty dark green. So I have, I'm pretty confident that them beans are going to be through the first week and a half of season. Um, but we know and once some beans start turning yellow, they won't hit them as much until late season. But, uh, you know, I'm really just going to try to rely on my cell cameras and stay out a little bit until, you know, I'm getting a pretty regular pattern of them or a good idea where he's at. Um, that at that time, you know, uh, there's another buck on the farm. I'd be super stoked to get a let an arrow fly at him. But, uh, you know, like you said, here pretty soon it's just going to be like a light switch and everything's going to go nocturnal on us. Yeah. But uh, I'm ho- I'm hoping if I can keep as much pressure out of there. Um, every time I've seen him, whether I'm on it's on camera or, uh, you know, sitting on the bed of the truck through the spotting scope or binos, he's pretty regular about 730. He's coming out into the bean field, whether it's on the east or west side. Um so I'm hoping, you know, if I can just kind of stay low and uh, play my cards right and stay smart about it and keep some pressure out of there that he'll kind of stay on that same pattern with these beans, stay in their late beans. So um, yeah, say I'm going to go in there October 1st <laughs> and get a shot at him, I think is a far stretch. But, uh, you know, I think if I can stay keep as much pressure out of there, I think I have a good chance of um, – you know, minimizing that natural movement for him and uh, keep him getting to them beans, whether it's right at last light or an hour before dark or even an hour after dark. If he can stay comfortable, I think that's going to be the biggest part for me is letting him feel as comfortable as he can be in that farm. Okay. So I'm going to throw a curveball at you in a little bit, but what are you going to need to make a move on this buck. And what I mean by that is what is this buck going to have to do to get you to go after him? 
I mean, it sounds to me like you're just going to play it low-key right now, and you're going to let the pressure, once the season starts, the pressure from the surrounding farms potentially keep him on your farm where he, he doesn't feel threatened. But you also have cell cameras out there that are going to be providing you information if, in fact, he does stay on somewhat of the same pattern that he's currently on. What is it going to take for you to make a move on him and get in the stand and try to try to kill him? Um, really, uh, it's going to have to be a cold front or, uh, you know, a front coming in. Um, maybe it's rain or just a 10, 15 degree temperature drop. But, uh, you know, even I hate putting too much pressure early season on them, but, uh, you know, I was looking at the forecast the other day and it's saying there's a good chance of rain, like the second week of October, um, you and I both know that could change tomorrow, but, um, you know, playing, playing a cold front or a front like that, um, moving in, um, I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Obviously, if I start getting pictures of them daylight, um, in the evenings or whatever, I'll, I'll go in there and hunt him, but, uh, you know, really focus on rain coming in or a temperature drop before or after that front. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to go in there when, uh, he's moving two hours, midnight after dark or whatever. I don't think there's any point of going in there and putting ground scent and risking any chance of him knowing that somebody's hunting him. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think that's going to be the biggest thing watching the weather and, um, seeing any fronts that are going to move in anything like that. That's going to get them up even 15, 20 minutes before dark. Okay. So now break down the terrain. What is this deer currently doing that you're getting him on, you know, consistent trail camera pictures sent to you? What's he doing? Like if you were to look at the map of this farm, okay, he's coming up this draw, he's hooking here, he's bed, he's potentially betting from here and walk through this loop that he might be doing in a given day as of right now? Well, that's, I was actually talking to dad about that last night, trying to figure out, you know, I need to go back and look at trail camp pictures and nights that I video them and look at the weather and wind direction. And I haven't ever gotten that far to it yet, but, um, you know, he is really utilizing the waterways on the farm. Uh, every Actually, both of my cell cameras are in waterways that I know um, he beds on or by, I guess. Um, The picture last night I got of him was uh, him coming out of bed right up the waterway to the bean field. So, uh, you know, he's a smart deer (laughs) and uh, an old deer, but uh, I think he knows his way around this farm pretty good. you know, if he can stay in the tall grass, the waterways, as low as he can, as long as he can. Um, every time I've seen him, he will not go out into the open of the bean field very far. I, don't, I don't, honestly don't know if he'll go past 20, 30 yards out into the bean field. He hugs the edges quite a bit. Um, so that's, that's something I've noticed a common trend with him. Even last year when I videoed him, uh, he really sticks to the waterways um, by where he beds. Okay. So I, I don't know if that's going to be something uh, he'll do in the fall, if he'll use them waterways cruising or not. Um, but I know during the summer or early early fall, he does move through them quite a bit. Uh, you know, like I said, this is my first year really hunting the farm. So it's also the first time I've gotten to put cameras on it. I don't know. You know, a fall if he will start cruising that back draw uh, a lot more if he if he moves back to the south end of the farm. But as of now, I know he really likes uh, really likes using the waterways and the bean fields. Uh, it looks kind of silly having cell cameras scattered across <laughs> across the waterways and throughout the bean field. But every picture I've got of him is him, you know, thirty minutes before dark, walking up and down the waterways. Okay, so. so- Knowing that, right, he's using that waterway, what wind do you need to hunt the, this farm, to make a move on this buck? 
if he's sticking to the same pattern that he's in right now? Um, I, uh, south wind, really. Um, southeast, southwest wind um, will be about ideal. A southeast would be almost perfect, but um, at I, I could hunt him with a north wind. I just have to play it a little bit smarter on where my uh, stand is. But I feel really confident if I got a south wind. Um, but, you know, I was I was looking at the map yesterday trying to um, find a spot that I could hunt him with a north wind when a cold front comes in. But um, a south southwest wind would be um, pretty good. Uh, you know, it's it would be one of the things, you know, we always we're not going to know every night where this deer's living at or where he's staying at bedding at, but you know the two places that he has been bedding, uh, a south wind would be about perfect for it. Okay, so where are you going to make your move? Are you going to sit on the field edge and try to catch him? Are you going to go back into that waterway? Are you going to try to catch him come, uh, coming out of his bed? Do you have an idea of where you're going to? put your tree stand and how you're going to access that. I mean, I'd say if, uh, you know, I get the right wind and stuff and conditions are pretty good. I'll probably go in and, you know, try to cut him off between the uh, field edge and where he's been bedding, but, you know, stay 10 yards off the field edge so I can still shoot out to the field. But, uh, you know, it'll, it'll, uh, have to decide, you know, on the recent uh, trail cam pictures of him, you know, if just last night or whatever, like I got that picture. I know he's on the, he's bedding on the west side of the farm right now. So I'd go in there and if I was hunting tonight, I'd probably go in there um, and sit up in the beans, honestly, in the green beans and uh, try to brush myself in as good as I can. And uh, I've killed several deer on the ground. I love hunting on the ground. But uh, I'd try, if I could, um, try to find a spot, get the lone wolf in. But, you know, if I can if I can sneak in, use the beans to my advantage and get as close to that um, waterway as I can where he's been coming out to, I just go in and, uh, you know, sit a couple rows deep in the beans. And if I can sit, use my coyote lounge chair or whatever and sit on it and cut a couple of lanes so I can shoot out to the waterway, I, that would be you know, if I was hunting tonight, how I would do it. Okay. Do you do you think in your gut that, you know, obviously before the season starts, we have two weeks of two or three weeks of potential drying for those beans. They're going to start thinning out, right? It won't be as much of a option to hunt from the ground in that bean field, right? Yep. In my head, I'm envisioning you in a tree killing him in this waterway, like walking up. Is there a place where once he comes out of his bed, he takes an angle on that uh, on that waterway to where, let's say, he gets out of his bed, he walks a little ways, then he hooks 90 up into this waterway or on this bean field at any point? Um, kind of. The one place that uh, I really have a good feeling that he is betting so the farm to the uh, it'd be the east. What pretty much like a natural property line is this huge draw that runs north and south between them, and there's a big ridge that runs down the middle of it, and uh, that ridge ends a little bit past this waterway. So I, I'm I really think he's betting on the end of that um, ridge where he can see out into the beans, honestly. And uh, so, you know, to say he gets up and walks down that ridge and cuts out to his, makes a 90 out to the waterway, I don't I don't really know. Um, but, you know, if I could if I could get into the timber a little bit without busting him, because this, where he's, where he's betting, this um, draw is only about ooh, 80 yards wide, maybe 70. So it's not a super wide, thick, and it's all open. So um, that would be – that's kind of why I was, you know, like you said, here in the next couple of weeks, the beans are going to start drying out. They're not going to hit them like what they are right now. But um, 
you know, if if I could get, like I said earlier, if I could get between him and those beans or that waterway that he's um, walking down, that would be about ideal to say exactly which trail he's using very much. I, I couldn't tell you. I haven't. I've never gone in there uh, this summer. Okay. But so what about where he's betting to the acorn ridge as a food source is, does he have to use that waterway to get to that acorn ridge? No, actually he's actually on the totally opposite side of the farm from the acorn ridge. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I did, I had last time I went there, I did put a, a camera back up in there just to see, you know, cause I have started seeing some acorns falling on the field edge, but, um, I did put a camera in there just to check, um, you know, here next couple of weeks, if anything is um, going up in there to eat any of the acorns or um, just moving through that stuff. But um, he's actually oh, a good five, 600 yards from that acorn flat. Okay. So if he continues to, let's just say, cause you have, you have two cell cams out right now, one in the waterway and one in the bean field, right? Yeah. Okay. So what will you make a move on this buck if you have cell cam pictures of him in the waterway, but a daylight cell cam pictures of him in the waterway, but not daylight pictures of him in the in the bean field? Yeah, um, the water, the one waterway that he's been using quite a bit. Um, it's actually about. <laughs> I'd say a hundred yards from where I'd park the truck. But, um, if he is using the waterway, um, right before dark or whatever, I can get, um, I could get set up really, really close to the trail that he's been coming out of. Um, you know, it'd just be one of them timing things. If he's going to wait till dark to move out through the waterway when season, you know, starts or, you know, if he's comfortable coming out, um, right before dark but um i could get set up it'd be the same thing it'd have to be a, it'd actually have to be a southwest wind um for me to hunt the waterway that he's been using quite a bit um i would probably you know just get as close to the edge of the timber and beans as i could um so if i did have to shoot back into the timber a little bit i can but like i said where he's been betting at it's pretty open once them leaves start to change colors but, uh, you know, it, it just has to be <clears throat> one of the things, you know, is, is he coming out 30 minutes before dark or is he coming out the last five minutes of dark? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so you mentioned that right now it's 75% bucks, right? Yeah. Is the doe herd, uh, the doe group that's there, is it, do you feel it's a local doe group? Like it's, it's on that farm all the time or is it going to leave or split once the beans come out? Um, I'd say, honestly, I'd say it's probably about half and half. I, there's, there's three or four does that, um, have fawns with them that I get pretty much every single night and morning. So I'd say they live here for the most part, um, on the farm, but there have been a couple other does on the, um, north end of the farm that don't have any fawns with them and um i i feel like they just kind of started moving in um but you know i I, to say they're the same does or different does i really don't know i think they would have their fawns with them like the other group does but um yeah i'd say to answer your question i guess it'd be more half and half between the number of does um that have that have gotten on camera but i mean I'd say between the two groups, there's been a dozen does, maybe more. I'm not sure exactly, but, um, the one group, there's two or three real big, um, older does that got one has actually has triplets and one's, one's got twins and, uh, they're on camera, you know, at nine o'clock in the morning and five o'clock in the afternoon. And, yeah. um, I'd, I'd say they live really close for the most part, but, uh, the, the camera that I've just started getting a lot of um, some more does on, I haven't hardly gotten any pictures of those all year and on that camera. So I don't know if 
they just started moving in to their fall yeah. pattern. So, so right now, this is me just hypothesizing off of everything that you've just told me, right? It sounds to me like you're going to wait and just monitor your trail cameras until you feel you have an opportunity to move in and try to kill them. With that said, the later into October we go, the more a buck likes to mosey, right? He could be hopping the fence and going on another farm. He could be taking bigger, longer routes. He could be altering his, his daily pattern, so to speak. Are you going to maybe make an aggressive move mid to late October before he starts to get, you know, antsy and start, you know, start thinking about the ladies? Um, I, I'd say, I wouldn't say a super aggressive move, but, you know, I'd try my luck. Um, definitely not play anything, you know, that's going to test the wind. Um, because I think a nose on a deer is the biggest killer you know, anybody could play with, but, um, you know, I to say super aggressive or get real aggressive, maybe, but you know, the other thing, he's a six or seven year old deer, six year old deer. He's got somewhere that he feels comfortable and is safe that he's not getting killed mm-hmm. or hasn't been killed yet. Like, uh, I was telling you, you know, before we started recording the number of gun hunters, in the area is substantial. So, um, he's got somewhere, um, that doesn't get a whole lot of gun pressure. And, um, like I told you earlier, there is a guy that does gun hunt a little bit on the farm, but knowing the number of people that gun hunt the properties around, I ha I got a pretty good gut feeling that he stays pretty close to this farm. Um, you know, once he starts cruising and moving quite a bit, so to say I'm right, I don't know where to say I'm wrong. I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I don't yeah. got a tracker on him. Like, yeah. I don't know where he goes. But, um, you know, he, he's got somewhere that's uh, – he feels pretty comfortable to make it to this big. Um, but, you know, you can't, you can't play that every year on a deer. You're right. So, uh, you know, I, I, would, I would make a couple sits at least, you know, um, see if I get lucky. Um, but then, you know, hunt the, uh, pre-rut, you know, play it smart and, you know, hunt the right wind and stands and, you know, if he's cruising or if he's moving pre-rut looking for does, then hopefully that's my, uh, ticket to getting an arrow in him. But, uh, I, I, I think, uh, that him making it this far because i know how many people gun hunt on all the neighbors or a rough idea i guess that um i don't think he cruises a whole lot through there but you know it just takes one doe to get him <laughs> to get right. him two miles away and somebody kill him but so let me ask you this i guess to answer- i want to i want you to envision when you're going to kill him you think it's going to be a November buck or a, like a, a late October buck? Like if things work out in your head, how do you envision your first encounter with him when he's in shooting range? Oh, shoot. I I really think it's going to be a morning, you know, maybe late October um, cold snap if we get one, I don't know, but, uh, you know, I'd really like it to be, or I could see it being a morning hunt, him, uh, going back into bed and on, I, I really think I'm going to get a shot at him on the South, South side by the acorn flat. Cause I know there's a bunch of does back there. Um, or the, at least there has been on camera. So, uh, I think it'll be one of them morning hunts. It's cold or I shouldn't say cold, but a crisp morning uh, hunt. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'll just catch him cruising back in, just going back into that bedding, that doe bedding, just, you know, before the rut kicks in, just cruising. Um, I think that's what it'll be, honestly. Uh, to say I'm going to kill him the second week of October, just because he's an older, mature deer, I don't think he's going to show himself a whole lot till he really starts thinking about the ladies. But, um 
you know, it's, it's my first year hunting this farm. So, you know, it's a lot of, it's going to be a huge learning year. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, well, you better get to learning buddy, because you got a big buck on, uh, on camera yeah. who's living there right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, that's, that's the other thing that trying to, it's a huge puzzle piece, you know, game of cat and mouse. That's, you know, everybody talks about it. That's what drives you and I to shoot them, you know, go hunt them and shoot a big deer. But I think it's going to be a game that I hope is short and sweet, but you know, I, I'm not going to be upset if it takes uh, two years. That's part of it too. That makes them that last moment that more, uh, more enjoyable too but gotcha if i could if i if i could get in there and uh shoot them the first or second week of october i'd be uh more than happy to but if it takes uh a couple sits or a couple weeks or even if it takes till next year i'm not gonna you know not be uh too upset about it but yeah so obviously if i if i have the chance to kill them this year i'm definitely gonna go for it and try it but but you're also not holding out specifically for this buck, right? Because there's some other deer in the area that if they make an appearance, they're going to get an arrow too, even though they're smaller yeah. and younger. Okay. Gotcha. There, uh, there's, there's a, there's a one, there's another buck on this farm. Um, I, to say he's going to score more, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but he, he could go higher than this buck. Um, I honestly think he might be just a year younger. I think he's only a five and a half or to say only a five and a half, but, um, I think he's a five and a half year old deer. He's got, um, uh, a triple beam. He's a, I always call him a triple beam buck. He's got an extra main beam with, uh, Oh, three, two tines on it. And he's got a huge, like inline. Yeah. So, uh, that's awesome. He's got all, he's got all kinds of trash, um, I don't know. Did you the buck that Josh Bomar lightning that Josh Bomar uh, shot? Um, did you ever see that deer? I don't think so. But um, anyways, he's got like a twelve inch inline that comes straight out from the base of all them, all that junk that sticks straight out. So uh, he's another deer that you know if he walks by, I'm not gonna hesitate to uh, hesitate to let an arrow fly. Absolutely, but this deer the buck that we're talking about definitely is going to be definitely the target buck for this, uh, this season. Cool, man. Well, let me just say good luck to you this fall, man. I hope it all comes back together and, 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 uh, you get a shot at this buck, man. And that way we can have you on for the second episode where you talk about what he did and how you got to within shooting range of him and how you dropped him, drug him to your truck and hung him on your wall. Well, I, I appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, I will be back for another one. With a <laughs> pretty, pretty sweet story. Um, that'd be, uh, that'd be ideal, but, uh, you know, just have to see how it goes. I'm looking forward to it. It should be exciting. I got, like I said, I got several other farms that I got good deer on it too. So, uh, you know, this, this is definitely going to be the deer I target most of the season or all season but uh you know it should be exciting i'm looking forward to it and there you have it another episode in the books huge shout out to dylan man i'm sending you good vibes hopefully you connect on this buck huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to listen to the nine finger chronicles man i really appreciate it uh good luck to everybody in the next weeks in the next two months man get out there start grinding and uh go accomplish your goal whether that is shooting big antlers big bodies or just filling the freezer man uh just get out there and hunt any way you want it doesn't matter and thank you to all of the partners of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. We have Ozonic Scent Elimination. Check out their new locker that they have. Wasp Broadheads, man. Absolutely love the Boss 4-Blade and the Jackhammer Vortex Optics. 
the title sponsor here, and the com- they have a complete lineup of optics, whether it's uh, uh, rifle scopes, spotting scopes, binoculars, rangefinders, you name it, they got it. Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands, American-made, one of the best hanging tree stands on the market, hands down. And the Average Conservationist, you heard their commercial earlier in the episode, Badass Apparel. Thank you very much. Be good to your neighbor. Send good vibes out into the world. you get them back. Uh, take a big, deep breath. Hunting season is, if not here for some of you, almost here for the rest of us. It's going to come, and uh, we're going to start rocking and rolling. So be safe. Wear your safety harness, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.